All right, boys, just listen up for a sec. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. How does that sound make you feel? Give me, give me some adjectives. It's nice. It's kind of like reassuring. Mm. Steady. That sounds like a very accurate kind of... I really like the sound of that mechanism. It's very precise, isn't it? Yeah. It also makes me feel like I, I should be somewhere that I'm not. Like I'm... <laughs> or something what have I forgotten? Kind of running late. Um, but it does sound very nice. I think all of that is very valid, boys. But let me tell you, this is the sound of a British-designed mechanical timepiece from the talented team at Marlow Watch Company, sponsors of this episode. And with Marlowe, each collection is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. Now, I've spent some time at their HQ recently because, well, I'm curious about mechanical timekeeping and also how things work. And I can tell you that there is so much very pleasing attention to detail that goes into each and every watch design. Now, these guys are serious about their watches, and you can tell by looking at some of the watch reviews online. I mean, the words quality and value come up time and again. Visit MarlowWatchCompany.com to see for yourself. Marlow Watch Company, time well spent, which I also like to think could be said for this podcast. It comes from realising that kids in particular in the modern day world were struggling just from having too much going on. And he picks out the stuff, the choice, the information, and things being just too fast. Let's watch a film tonight, and we sort of sit down with some food, and then, you know, half an hour's gone, and we still haven't actually chosen what to watch, because there's just so many different things to choose from. I think multitasking does kind of fall into this too much information, right? You know, if you're trying to do more than two things, you're probably drastically failing. You're actually burning the toast at the same time as not entertaining the child and probably misordering that thing that you're ordering on your phone at the same time. Sounds like you're speaking um, from experience with that particular one. So, I mean, it was very specific. I've experience of watching others, obviously. Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. This week, we're talking about the four pillars of too much. Too much stuff, too much choice, too much information, and too much speed. But before that, there's this. On June 23rd, 1983, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a simple pail or bucket of water. Having reached the (laughs) summit of this incline, Jack had an accident. In the mayhem and confusion, Jack's headwear was subjected to irreparable damage. Initially a bystander to events, tragically Jill was soon to suffer the same fate. There are unconfirmed stories that Jack attempted to mend his injuries with vinegar and brown paper, now very much ill-advised by (laughs) medical professionals. What really happened up there on the hill with the water and the bucket? I'm ex-wannabe detective Rob Bell. With over a decade of parenting proficiency, John O'Hay is the old King Cole of credibility. (laughs) And back from his own downfall of doom, the Humpty Dumpty of dependability, Tom Pellero. (laughs) Together, this is your trustworthy team that brings you Real Nursery Crimes. Coming soon. Good evening, gents. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can understand now why you were so excited about getting into that. <laughs> I don't, what? what are you talking about? It's so good. 
Do we have to uh, remind people this is the Sketchman Nations podcast? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just to make sure. I get carried away and a bit a bit lost, actually, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I didn't realise those extra verses for Jack and Jill. Yeah, I know. Gosh. Yeah. I, I seem to remember as a kid the one about the um, brown paper and vinegar. I do, I do kind of remember that, but I couldn't remember it off the top of my bun, so I had to, um, I had to look that one up. But you know, nursery rhymes. You know, I assume they're they've been a part of all of our lives. In fact, the way I see it, they're probably kind of part of your life at three different times of your life, right? When you're a kid, if you become a parent, and then if you become a grandparent, I reckon. Yeah. But nursery rhymes, you know, they've they've stood the test of time, haven't they? You know, they're still kicking yeah. about. They're a bit like um. Like you say, they just they just go around in those fixed phases of life. They remind me of um, like playground games and th- like stuff that happens in primary school where you learn it from like the year above you, yeah, and then you teach it to the year below you, and then and primary schools just get like stuck in this these phases of these games that last forever, and probably each school like learns their own sort of games and yeah. You know, decades later, they're still playing and calling the calling the same game, and everybody else is like, "What are you doing?" But I bet yeah. there are the same games that are played in different uh, primary school playgrounds around the country, around the world. The same game, but they've got completely different names. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to. I next time we're together, I'd love to play the game that I played a lot at primary school. We called it Recce. Uh, it's just a tennis ball. I'd love oh. to play that with you guys. I think it'd be brilliant fun. Yeah, I've never, Sounds never good. played that before. Well, you might have. It just might have a different name. Other people call it tennis. I don't know. <laughs> 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 uh, have you boys got any favourite nursery rhymes? I mean, you've you've been in and around them. I'm assuming more recently than I have. Do you know what? Yeah. Like, for me, when when the kids were really little, they're just like something that they just entertain really little kids and when they're babies just anything you just need to sing anything you can yeah. literally sing whatever you want to but you need something to sing and so you know i wish i'd written them all down actually all the little songs the little mad songs that you sing to while they're a little baby because i've forgotten them all now just like you say they, they yeah. disappear yeah. I've forgotten most of the baby age period. It's just sort of a blur days of three <laughs> or four of years fatigue. of my life. <laughs> fatigue. <laughs> of all this. Uh, London Bridge is falling down. It always, for some reason, seems a very memorable one. A tissue and a tissue, they all fall down and that sort of stuff. My mum was very good at them. and She would sing them and lullabies and that sort of stuff. I, I, I don't seem to have many to my mind that I can think of. I'm sorry, Rob. Now the old, the old um, was it? Hey diddle diddle! Uh, yes, I need to get this right. The hey diddle diddle, the cat, cat and, and the, the fiddle. fiddle. The cow jumped over the moon. Yes. The little dog laughed to see such sport, and the dish ran away with the spoon. I mean, what the hell is that all about? Oh, it's mental, isn't it? I'd love to have seen like a scan of my brain as I heard that for the first time, <laughs> trying to figure out what yeah. what yeah. world not, is this. That's not helpful, is it? Really. Yeah. Your parents are singing that to you, smiling. You're like, okay, <laughs> whatever you say. <laughs> all right. I mean, they're so, all a bit mad, right? You know, I yeah. yeah, none of them really make any. I mean, they all have some, like some weird story behind them as to where they came from originally, but they're all a bit, often they're quite a bit gruesome as well. I don't know. It's yeah. really strange. <laughs> well, because there's, there's nursery rhymes and then there's fairy tales, right? And there's gruesome. fairy tales written by, I mean, Hans Christian Andersen was one of the, the large 
um, authors of fairy tales, <laughs> but then also it's the Brothers Grimm, right? Uh, Some of their stories, are, they're brutal. They're like horror stories. Hansel and Gretel. Hansel but they to try and get kids to like go to bed, basically. They're just to terrify them into going to sleep or something. I'm not sure that's a great approach, but... but they're proper dark plots. You know? You've got cannibalism, <laughs> you've got infanticide, you've got revenge, you've got gangs of murderers, severed body parts. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Is this what you want to be sending your kids off to bed with? I don't know. Cutting stomachs open and... Finding mm. people inside, that kind of thing, yeah. Mm. I don't feel like the morals are always, you know, that rewarding, you know, ways to live your life, old Rapunzel and things like that. I, just, I don't know. Mm. I'm not, not sure what you're, what you're supposed to take away from some of these in order to make yourself a better person. Have nightmares. I, do you know what? I looked, I looked for um, books of Buddhist children's stories. Oh, right. Because oh. I think very often the morals in those are really good. I, I didn't really find anything, so I think there's a gap. Yeah. What, you want to write some Buddhist children's stories? No, you really, you really want to find some and then write them down and, and share them. Well, listen, the time I've allocated this week for nursery rhymes is over. It's time for the childishness to really begin. It's time for the podcast. Let's go. This week, we're discussing Jono's sketch that covers the four pillars of too much or I've also seen it referred to as the four pillars of excess. And it relates to a philosophy that whilst much of something can be great, too much of it can be a real burden. Now before we get going, a quick reminder that you should be able to see this sketch as the artwork for the episode, but if not, I've included a link in the podcast description. And you can find all of Jono's sketches that we talk about in the podcast series, as well as many, many more at sketchplanations.com. And if you've seen a sketch on there that you'd like us to cover in an episode, then let us know. You can email us with your suggestions, as well as any comments or stories from your own experience of the topics that we cover, to hello at sketchplanations.com. And we'll be going through your messages from the last week at the very end of the podcast. All right then, Johnny. Uh, the four pillars of too much. Well, firstly, let, do you want to tell us what those four pillars are? And then let's talk about how you came across this. Yeah, for sure. A really simple sketch. But the four pillars of too much are too much stuff, too much or too many choices, too much information and too fast. And this is kind of as it applies to life generally, right? Well, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I learned about it. It's, it's an idea from the author of um, a book called Simplicity Parenting, which I was reading when the kids were much smaller. Um, and it comes it comes from... Uh, essentially like realizing that people in kids in particular in the modern day world were struggling just from having too much going on mm. and he picks out these these four different aspects the stuff the choice the information and things being just too fast and advocates essentially a slowing down of everything and, and actually the power of having less in your life is actually a really positive thing in many cases so that's that's where I, I learned it from. So it's 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 simplifying, uh, it's stripping back and slowing down. I guess that that kind of of feeling. Yeah, and 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 obviously the book was about parenting, but I, mm. it doesn't. I don't feel like it, it has to be. I feel like it, yeah. it applies to me just as much now, and maybe it affects kids even more. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe it affects adults just as much. 
I think maybe it might affect kids more because stuff's happening to them. I mean, we've talked about in previous episodes how as a kid you have less control over your life because you're not making the ultimate decisions about what you do and what you get up to. I mean, I think think certainly as parents, you have the ability to control a lot of that for your children. And so, Mm. I mean, in that sense, it totally makes sense. But as parents, we, as people, we can also control a lot of the stuff in our own lives. And that, my general experience is probably we all benefit from a little bit of, of a little bit of less very often. I think there's a difference as well as adults. We get quite good at ignoring things or not seeing things. Whereas I think as children, you kind of, kind of, Possibly because every, so much more is new, you, it, it's really kind of bewildering. Um, mm. Whereas adults, I think we get quite good at being like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just. Whereas kids are like, oh my gosh, there's a bug on the floor here, and they have to stop and look at it and play with it for ages. Whereas we're like, don't even notice it because we're kind of moving through the world, I think, maybe at a greater speed as well. Tommy, do you think these. Um... These four pillars, too much stuff, too much choice, too much information, things happening too fast. Do you think there's sometimes a draw to to want more, more stuff, more choice, uh, more information? Things yeah. happen fast. Do you think as, as adults, as we, there's a kind of a desire to have all of this stuff? Well, well as, as often is the case, it's a contradiction, right? In, and, and often the most powerful things are like... We want to have nice, chilled lives with not too much going on. But the second that we realize that Saturday afternoon we've got nothing booked, we therefore find ourselves looking to book tennis or book swimming or, but you know, and then we're kind of rushing from this to the other to the other. And, and we all kind of love to have this sort of, you know, simple house with not too much out. But then we go to the shops and we see a new coffee table or a new picture frame. We're like, oh, wouldn't that look lovely on the side? And so we're constantly in this dichotomy of, cramming our life with stuff but also wishing we weren't and cramming mm. our house with stuff but clearing out at the same time and they're sort of yin the yang the contradiction is is often at play it's funny isn't it because we we're sitting here now and we all know it yeah right? we, we probably know that our houses for yeah. example are full of stuff that we don't necessarily need or don't necessarily use that often yet we've put them there exactly and um i remember personally watching a program about um some uh, someone some psychologists that were trying to help a family with uh, a child with um adhd or maybe even um, asperger's going beyond that um and when i grew up there was a growing sort of potential link between dyslexics and adhd and there's sort of potentially a bit of a spectrum there and i remember watching this program what they did is they they basically built a little outhouse for this child and it was completely white and it was a door that you go in and they painted this room completely white and they would, the parent was only allowed to take the child with one toy in there. And I just remember like that feeling of watching this child going into this really calm, clear room with no extra distraction and focus really helped the child chill out. And watching that and going, that felt really appealing to me. So since I always try, but I fail to try and simplify my surroundings and i do find it really really calming so these four pillars for me are very very emotive very uh, special very good to be aware of rob can i ask um i was i was quite happy to see that you chose this as a sketch topic for the the podcast yeah and and also the opposite i was like it's quite cringeworthy from an an old sketch point of view i know (laughs) i know Um, let's let let, let's talk about that very quickly now this is one of your early early sketches 
right? It is. And so it's it's not it's very different to the style of the sketches that you do now. It's a quick <laughs> sketch, right? You, yeah, you probably yeah, yeah. It was, it was, watch this out really it, quickly. It was one a day, no corrections, straight in the notebook. Um, there you go. But I was I was intrigued. What made you choose it? Yeah. What I like to do when I'm looking at sketches and thinking about what might work well in the podcast is think about would we all have enough to talk about it? But then would our listeners also would it give them something to think about? Yeah. And I think these four pillars absolutely did. And and that was just from from the very early sketch, which is the beauty of your sketches and of sketch explanations, Johnny. You can see the sketch and you kind of get what's happening and your brain starts thinking about it very, very quickly. Uh, I mean this is this is the beauty of sketch explanations. <laughs> That that's why I chose it. I, I thought there was enough to talk about, and I thought it's something that probably applies to a lot of people. Yeah, but I thought we could have a little um, we could have a little punch through each of them individually. So the first one is too much stuff, as you said, something like commerce and capitalism like drives a desire for more stuff, right? And and there is so much, you know. We've, I'm looking in our rooms behind us. You know, we've all got stuff around us. Yeah, hundreds of things. I, I did some um, research on things like storage and and just dealing <laughs> yeah. with your stuff before um, for a project. And one of the uh, one of the realizations for me was that it's so much easier to get stuff in <laughs> than it is to yeah. get it out. Do you mean in terms of the systems that are there to uh, encourage that? Yeah, um, and assist with that. I mean, there's there's very little to assist with the out unless it's rubbish or recycling. Mm. Recycling's getting a bit better, right? But unless it's rubbish, you're going to throw it away. It's effort to get it out, whereas it's always easy to go to the shop and buy. Like, yeah, I've, I've <laughs> it's a bookshelf behind me. At the top is a, a row of books, ones that I've read, which are time to move on. It's more effort for me to do that than it is to order another book on Amazon yeah. or wherever. Although there it's are an increasing number of ways of doing it, like eBay yeah. started it, Vintage, there's a great one for books. You don't get much, but you get like 40p for books, but they are coming. But as you say, it's a very much an asymmetric scenario. I, I think so. And also there's, it's just much more, it's much more sort of fun, isn't it? It's like, it's much easier <laughs> to get new, new things in. It's exciting to get new things in. It's not, not as exciting. You were getting rid of things recently, weren't you, Robert? I am getting, trying to get rid of some furniture. So I'm getting rid of some sofas and coffee tables because I'm doing renovating one of the rooms in the house. And I'm, I've taken to Gumtree and to yeah. FreeCycle. But it's quite an effort. It's quite an effort. Yeah. You, put, you put an ad up and I'm giving it away for free. And yeah. you put an ad up and you get a few responses and you get back to them as quick as you can saying, yeah, it's all available. You know, let me know what you want. And when you're available to come around, have a look and take them away. And most of the time you don't hear back from them. Yeah, and you're, it's, it's difficult. But how did, it, how did it feel when you got rid of it? It feels good. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. Although I did have to help somebody carry a sofa about half a mile up the road the other Amazing. day because I could not, in in good conscience, <laughs> see them struggle up the road with it. So uh, I gave them a helping hand. Oh, um, but with which things, you love doing as well. Yeah, oh, come on, it was all good. Yeah, um, lifting things. But with things like books, right? Could you implement a one-in-one-out policy where if you buy a new book, there's one that's got to go somewhere to a charity shop or, you know, as Tommy was saying, through eBay or Vinted or whatever? I mean, absolutely, you can. Just got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's much easier not to do it, I think. Although, Jono, sometimes I do think, I wonder if 
we'll be able to continue to throw things away in the way that we currently do. Like we've done a few house clear outs here, Sarah and, and I are pretty, pretty militant about it actually. And sometimes I think, oh my gosh, we just filled the car full of stuff to take to the sort of recycling the, the, the junk place. And it's like, we'll, and it's not going to cost us anything to get rid of this. Thank goodness, because possibly I'd really consider doing it if it did. But like, you wonder if that will continue or how long it will continue for. Yeah, I, I really like um, something I saw in a documentary. It was you know, you can't you can't throw something away. There is no away. Yeah, um, it's all here. And and as you say, if it costs you money to, if it costs you more money to get rid of it, you'd think twice about getting it in. Yeah. That said, it's still easier to get it in and it's exciting to get it in <laughs> i think we're starting to touch on something that i know we all have a concern for which is the environmental aspect of stuff right yeah. and continuously accumulating stuff right that stuff has had to come from somewhere it's had to be produced and there's energy and there's a climate effect of more stuff right i'm i'm, I'm certainly aware of that and it does that does prevent me from getting some stuff i'm quite happy to keep making do with stuff that doesn't work quite as well as it could do or should do because you I don't, certainly are i don't I want master, more actually. stuff or new stuff because it well it does kind of work but just you know it's a bit of a knack to it do you personally have a one in one out about stuff because it kind of feels it no. for a for a stuff to get into your life takes a lot of like it's really got to be worth it for you yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't act on whim. On a whim. That's You're not for really sure. an accumulator of stuff in any shape or form, are you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, could, I could, could do with a clear out, but doing a clear out hurts. Hurts me. I hate. I have to really psych myself up for it. It's like, right. Don't think about this too much, because for sentimental yeah. reasons and for reasons oh. I was talking about there, I do get. I do get attached I, to stuff. I, I got a tip. Tip for you: get somebody oh, else to to choose your stuff it's much easier to make decisions about other people's stuff it <laughs> than is. it is about it's your own stuff easier. like rob you've never you'll never need this and i yeah. i know somebody who would be well up for that right now Dude. well up for it yeah Ooh. oh she would be all over you it. wouldn't you Come. probably wouldn't have many clothes left actually would you <laughs> it'd, be a, it'd be a change of clothes it'd be a, <laughs> a, change of clothes. a big change of uh glassware uh <laughs> Pots and pans. It is really very liberating doing it. Yeah. I say. Yeah. You'll enjoy it. I'd encourage anyone. There's a mutual friend of ours, um, Philly, who's very good at this. He's, he, he moved house quite a lot within a short period of time for a while when he used to live here in London. And he had a philosophy of, listen, I don't ever want to accumulate any more stuff than two big bags full. <laughs> then I'm yeah. good. And he just, and he, he lives like that. I do remember those brilliant days where you could literally put all your stuff in your car. Mm. I remember that. That was uni and then first few houses. It's like, because you're moving quite regularly. So it's like, yeah. just get everything in the 205 and that's that's it. Moving house, right? Moving house is a great catalyst to, yeah. to declutter. It's, mm. it's when you find the box that is in the attic that you moved into this house <laughs> and, and never got out because it was at the yes. back. And you realise yes. you definitely shouldn't need that one, but maybe I will. Oh. <laughs> no time to sort it now. I'll take it with me. Okay, um, can, can I just, before we move on, can I just oh, yeah, plug, on. plug another sketch? 
Yes, which please. A very little known oh. one. Um, it's Jonah, called... this is Sketchpanation, the podcast. You plug it's away. Can I, can I plug a sketch? Um, it's, called the, it's called The Laws of Expansion, um, which I don't know if you came across. And it's quite, re- it's quite relevant. It was, it was essentially kicked off with um, there's something called Parkinson's Law, which is the work expands to fill the time available. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I think there are two others, which is Stuff Expands to Fill the Available Space. And cost expands to fill the available budget. Yes, mate. Yeah. Totally. There, there are various like genuine physical physics expansion laws, but I think these one, you know, like if you, if you have a big house, you will eventually fill that house. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. I remember when when I had um, an office job and you know a salaried job, I got like I don't know a, a pay rise of a thousand pounds, right? Or maybe even two thousand. But I don't know what it was. It wasn't loads, but it. It didn't make a single difference the way I live my life, right? Because if you're given a bit more, you're going to spend it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just stuff. Is it Boyle's law, though, that uh, really is the physics law, that a gas yeah. will occupy the space it, that's, it, that contains it? It could well be. It's been a while. Good engineering knowledge, Rob. Let's just say probably. <laughs> probably Boyle's law. <laughs> we've, got, we've got three more um, pillars to get through. Yeah, we? sorry. Yeah, we've got three yeah. more pillars. Right. So the second pillar was um, too much choice. Now, I, I can certainly be paralysed by too much choice. But <laughs> I will say, and we're not going back to too much stuff, but sometimes the the fact that there's too much choice benefits me from avoiding Why? having too much stuff yeah. because there'll be so much, so many decisions, I can't make that decision. And so in the end, I just go, oh, actually, I don't need it. So I won't bother buying it anyway. Yeah. So when it comes to purchasing goods and products... Um, the fact that there's too much choice and being paralysed by that helps my too much stuff pillar. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of research on this, isn't there, Johnny? I mean, there's there's a sketch about the paradox of choice. Of course there is. Yeah. <clears throat> too much choice leads to paralysis. And actually, I think quite interestingly, which is what I tried to get across in that sketch, the dissatisfaction. And and the the flow goes. You're like, oh, was it raised expectations? You're like, oh, there's so much stuff. So one of these has got to be amazing. This is going to be great. And then um, the opportunity cost is like, well, if I pick this one, it means I'm not getting those ones. Oh, maybe hmm. they're good. And then you think, well, if I, I, I think I'm gonna, maybe I'll prefer the other one. Oh, I'm not sure anymore. And then you're not as happy with the one you got. And then if you yeah. don't get something that you like, you're like, oh, I never pick the best one. You go like self-blame. And so you actually more choices <laughs> made you unhappy with yourself. I yes. like, you know, you know, the, the classic thing with the supermarket line, right? There's loads of, there's loads of lines. It doesn't, doesn't happen so much anymore, but like the trolley lines, you know, like, which one should I get into? Maybe it's the passport line at the, uh, at the airport or something. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, this one looks good. And then of course it's not the good one. And you're like, oh, I always pick the wrong, the wrong line, and it makes you unhappy. Whereas if there was just one line, you'd be fine. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Just do the weight. Anyway, yes, paradox of choice. There's definitely choice when it comes to to retail and shopping. But I was also thinking about like a choice for jobs and careers in life as well. You know, there's obviously a massive choice for that. There's there's a choice for entertainment and hobbies and how we spend our free time as well. TV, I've absolutely, and Netflix, Sarah and I mm. will turn it on and be like, oh, what should we, let's watch a film tonight. It's Friday night, we've had a long week, and we sort of sit down with some food. And then, you know, half an hour's gone, and we still haven't actually chosen what to watch because there's just so many different things to choose from. And you kind of, 
I thought that the whole point of Netflix is it would kind of understand us and then just tell us what to watch. Like, <laughs> is that not the point of the algorithms or whatever? When are these AI and these algorithms going to get better and just be like, yeah, you should just watch this? I remember once um, we got some, I don't know, it was like a phone contract. So we got like a free film each week. And it wasn't like a, a voucher for a film. It was like, there was this film. Here is that's, this film. That's that's free. That we and actually, I remember it was quite nice. First of all, we watched a few films that we would never have otherwise watched. Secondly, we never yeah. t- had to think about it. Mm. Yes. And, and yeah, thirdly, like you didn't you didn't waste any time deciding what no. to do. You just like we're just going to watch this one. And also, if if you watched it, you didn't like it. Well, it wasn't your fault. You didn't yeah, pick a bad one. To blame. Right? Yeah, that was the one they re- they recommended. It could have been better, but you know it's all right. <laughs> it was that was quite it was quite nice when somebody just gave you one. Here you go, that's, do that. That's really good. There's a, there was a, a, a pizza place in in Berkeley actually, which I did the paradox of choice about, and and they just did one pizza every week. It's called Cheeseball Pizza. It was amazing every day. Sorry, the one flavor of pizza. You know, it might be broccoli and brie today. I don't know whatever it was. It was Berkeley, so it was that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> And it was always delicious, and you never had to think. But all you had to do when you got to the thing was say, "I'll have um, two slices or four slices," and they just did it by the slice. And that, you know, or Rob, Rob, you would have six slices. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there there's another restaurant in London. I think there are a few of them kicking about. I I used to go to one in Paris as well. It's called the the Le Relais de Venise. There, it's a steak joint right yeah and you go in they give you a salad with a lovely dressing on it and you get steak yeah. and chips the only yeah. choice you get is um i think they've probably got three different wines and how you want your steak cooked boof yeah. done lovely on entrecote is the same that's it entrecote is, is the same as well it, yeah. it, it's my favorite restaurant i love it i have um I, I think curation is just massively important and valuable and actually like more so more and more so finding yes. a place and a, uh, that you trust that is going to have good stuff each each time you go there um i, I there's another sketch which is just uh, an idea of right, right, showing yeah. off now mate no it's just that evidently i think about these things a lot um which is a uh, good teacher is like a dj for learning is is the idea it's just a, it's just a metaphor and i just think you know like there's a, there's a trillion things you could listen to but if you listen to a dj they've they've picked out these are these are the tracks that i think you'll like now and i'm going to introduce some to you maybe you're not maybe this is new to you you wouldn't have picked this but i'm going to introduce it to you and the teacher is like that too you know there's so much choice for what you can read and learn at any point on the web and actually it's super valuable to have somebody who's like i've been through this stuff i'm going to teach you these these things and forget about those things and it's so nice to like not worry about all of that other stuff and just take these well, yeah. that, that brings us on, and I'm going to use that little segue to take us into the, the next pillar of too much information, right? And yeah. I, think, I think the obvious place that my brain goes to with this is um, like 24-hour news, and 24-hour news coming at you from at least three or four different channels, if you want it, as well as on social media, as well as uh, on the radio, as well as... Uh, the newspapers it's it's everywhere if you want to seek it out but that's that's just in news right information obviously then expands much wider than that it's pretty staggering how much how much information and content is is produced at any more point and you know 
Tom, you're making products. I'm making more more content and putting it on the web. Here's another thing for you to read. Actually, I, I do think about that quite a lot. Like, if I've got you know loads of stuff in my inbox, assignment. If you know, if I'm not adding value, don't subscribe to Sketch Nations. The point is like, is it, it's quick and easy. Maybe it gives you something. Maybe it doesn't, but it hopefully doesn't take loads of time. Like going through all that information. Although I haven't said that, I, like. Our kids could have the TV on now with subtitles going and be listening to music at the same time somehow and somehow manage to process these <laughs> process these things. I, I just can't do that. Maybe I just can't do that anymore. I think multitasking does kind of fall into this too much information, right, Pillar? Yeah. I, I, I'm not very good at it. I have to focus on one thing at a time. But I don't know, is, is multitasking, does that... Does that bleed into too much information, like an information overload that your brain is trying to to work in, with at any one time? In many respects, I think um, multitasking is bullshit in the fact that I don't think any of us can truly multitask. We just switch between relatively yeah. quickly. Yeah. And so we think we're multitasking, but actually all we're doing is one at a time and switching. And there's a certain amount of... I think it's proven that there's a certain amount of time it takes us to switch. So... You know, if you're trying to do more than two things, you're probably drastically failing at those three things you think you're doing. You're actually burning the, the toast at the same time as not entertaining the child and probably misordering that thing that you're ordering on your phone at the same time. Mm. Um, mm. So that sounds, it, sounds like you're speaking from experience with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was very specific. Uh, I mean, experience of watching others, obviously. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> but definitely too much information or trying trying to do too many things at the same time and this world of ours trying to push things at us the whole time it's actually one of the reasons i love living outside london i found being in london just too hectic too much stuff trying to come at me the whole time and trying to absorb it all and i much prefer the kind of i'm in a town in st albans outside to the north and then i work actually in the middle of the countryside like I go out, yeah. there's fields all around me. So I really love trying to reduce the amount of information coming at me. But then I do also love going into the centre of London and seeing you guys and seeing other people and getting that dose of information and too much coming at me. Well, you know, it is, it is a choice as to how much information you want to subject yourself to, right? If, if yeah. you want to avoid the news, you can do that quite easily. You don't watch the news, you don't put the radio on, you don't read the news blogs or whatever else. You know, you can avoid it. Yeah, I have a I have a thing with my, my dad where he can't avoid it. He feels yes. compelled to watch all the news and from as as in as in a kind of that it's his kind of like a social responsibility to know what's going on. Potentially. I don't know I, if it's I, I understand that. Yeah. 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 I understand yeah. That. And so and so, you know, his thing is well you can't just like not not know what's going on. Just sit in your own world, ignoring you know real life out there. But, but then there's you? also like a little, I, I sort of feel like if you know most important things happen, I'll probably find out about it. It's not like I have zero news. Mm. I just don't watch it every day. So, John, I'd be very interested in your strategy to this. Like, do you look at the news once a week, once a day, like at all? Do you like you just hear it in conversation? Yeah, yeah, little things. I found. I found it's a good like, question, this Tommy, because yeah, because yeah, I'm really just, intrigued. Because I just think knowing Jono's character, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Because <laughs> personally, I feel like Rob and I are probably on the, if we haven't checked the news every hour, we're probably about to. Yeah, at least every day. We'll every talk, day, twice a day, a yeah. few times. And I personally have to limit myself. Like, I give it up for long stretches because you, I'm you've quite mentioned addicted that, yeah. to it. And and I don't find it that positive. I don't really know why I do it. A social responsibility, I slightly claim. But I'd be interested in Jono's approach. Mm. Go on, Jono. Pressure's yeah. on you. Well, I, He's just reading the news. No, oh, I was just I was just looking for a sketch. <laughs> oh, here we <laughs> I go. I was looking for a sketch because there's one about, um, essentially about watching too much news and that it makes you unhappy. Um, yeah. I will find that in a, in a bit. I found that little little strategies I've, I found useful. For example, if I pick up a paper on the way in to work, don't take it on the train. So I limit my time and I put it back on the stack and then I get on the train. And that means I make the most of my train journey by reading my book. And I don't find myself paging through random pages of the paper just because I have it, you know, stuff like that, like limiting your potential exposure to it. I also just, yeah, I don't know. Don't put the TV on. Yeah, this ability, and... like you don't really eat chocolate either, do you? It just doesn't really do it for you. God, it's perfect, isn't it's it? It's so good. <laughs> Um, I, I, w- I was going to share uh, one of so many so many related sketches. I never realised this, but um, one of my favourite sketches, which is on the wall here, is a Zen proverb, which is "When drinking tea, just yes. drink tea." Um, and it like the idea is is just focus on what you're doing at the time in that yeah. moment, and not try and be doing two three things at the time, yeah. and not try and be absorbing this and. Uh, absorbing that all the time so you know if if you're listening and you're walking feel free to stop listening and just enjoy your walk yeah but then when you turn this off and just walk yeah but then when you stopped your walk and you finished your walk turn it back on and finish it (laughs) turn it it back on so thank you too much information (laughs) i found i found that sketch by the way which is called mean world syndrome which is uh all about Essentially, they did a study of like t- people who watched a lot of TV and people who didn't, and they found that those who watch more believe the world is a meaner place. Yeah, essentially, and that's yeah. why. And so, there's a few things where people believe the world's more dangerous. They believe yeah. more people are young. They believe that people are not to be trusted, and there were also some other attitudes like believing women's places at home, coming from watching too much tv but anyway the, wow. so the name for it was like mean world mean world syndrome from watching watching too much all right well let's move on to the last one too fast too much speed if you want to put it like that this and so we do live in a in a culture of immediacy now all right mm. i think you know where if you go onto amazon you can have it delivered same day sometimes right and there are all these um within the hour shopping deliveries that you can have um even with communications on emails and sms and whatsapp whatever you know there's an expectation that if you send something someone's going to respond straight away there's this fast fast everything now 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 kind of culture that we all live in and again i appreciate from what we're talking about at the the top of the podcast that might not apply to uh other people in from other cultures or in yeah. in a different demographic other parts of the world perhaps maybe it's maybe it's different but there's definitely a culture of immediacy in our worlds i feel and probably definitely. again for a lot of our listeners i was talking to my dad the other day and he lamented the days where things were used to have to be done by letter 
Yeah, can you imagine? Because you you could write a business letter, send it off. You know, the guy, the, the person wouldn't get it for at least a day, yeah. if not possibly two yeah. or three. He said that actually, in some respects, it was quite a good thing because people would kind of think things through, maybe calm down, yeah. and it just meant that you were under, you were less under this constant pressure. I, I never lived in that world. We were always emailed in the working world that I'd known. I was thinking about the um, you, you if you read like biographies of like scientists, it's often they have they're made from like going through their letters and and they wrote these really long, thoughtful, detailed <laughs> letters back and forth. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing. Like I've never, I think, like sat down and spent hours or days over a letter and then sent it. So maybe I did when I was you know, 14 or something once. Um, but but yeah, you'd, I don't know. You'd, you'd never do that now or something. You'd write a blog post or you just send it in send in a thousand messages in whatsapp or something i don't know just yeah. different different way of doing stuff but maybe it was better because you as you say you spend a lot more time thinking about what you're going to send before you do it i don't know again this kind of comes back to the law of expansion right that if you fit your activity to the time that you've got to do it um and i'm definitely guilty of kind of over cramming my to-do lists in a day and then setting an expectation for what I want to achieve in the day and then not actually doing it because that that list was completely unrealistic in the first place as opposed to giving myself two things to do within the day which is probably realistic and then feeling good about myself at the end of it but where does the pressure come from to constantly be on the go to be having a full agenda and be doing everything as fast as you can and moving on to the next where where where's that come from partially ourselves partially our society our friends our culture do you think our, do you think we do that more than our parents possibly did yeah for sure my yeah. parents often talk to me about how do you do why are you trying to do all this stuff like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> but when, when the kids go to stay with my grandparents they'll they'll, they'll have the most amazing time just with your like, parents their grandparents yeah yeah because they'll go and like just pick blackberries that'll be like they after these activities or dig up some potatoes or you know like and they just spend ages doing it and have fun and play together and you know whereas we would have set loads of things to do and it, it's helping me to understand more and more as well but I, I think there is this strive to do more mm. yeah well I mean one of the beauties of sketch nations the podcast is that there's uh Actually, no, this doesn't work. Yeah, move on. <laughs> well, no, it's funny because I, I was I was going to say actually that um, it's quite common now to watch videos or listen to things faster than real time, right? Yeah, so listen quite to often, one and a half you know, speed. Listen to an audio book at one point two, one point five speed because it's too slow at normal talking to me. I was I was thinking that there's probably people listening to this at. 1.5 speed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i always listen back at 1.5 do you sorry yeah i'm one of those people apologize you're trying well, to do things as quick as you can move on i do you know back to the 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 kids thing i, I was kids got quite into watching videos of like minecraft and stuff on youtube and they will all the videos are just manic i, I sometimes i just wanted to stop and turn them off because everything is edited perfectly together so there's no yes. there's no breaks there's no ums and ahs there's, there's no yeah there's no there's no there's no ums and ahs there's not a single 
pause in the conversation and everything is like non-stop and the, and the footage is changing you know from something which you know it would take you a minute to walk from here to there it's like boom flash here boom flash here oh and this happened oh and look what's happened there and, boom. and it just doesn't stop for minutes and i do i don't know i i find it a bit stressful they they seem fine but i don't know maybe maybe well, it's they, not who knows so this this is really interesting and i think the four pillars of too much probably manifest themselves differently for kids as they do to adults and they probably always will as generations and the cultures around different generations change yeah and the probably the pillars go up at different speed because when you're young you maybe don't actually have that much stuff and certainly in our 20s we had hardly anything as it as it were but when you get into your 60s you end up having a lot of stuff and don't have the energy to to do the clearing out and throwing away but maybe um, you slow things down a bit then yeah you change in different ways you're probably your information and your speed of doing stuff mm. um uh, and i think we're very um uh rude about uh, older generations as to how slow they drive or walk down the high street or i think we've probably all found ourselves doing that of like you know yeah, get but, on with it but based on what we've been talking about now <laughs> mm. doesn't that seem really nice yeah yeah, yeah. And often they're probably not rushing back and forth because they've forgotten something over there. They yeah. just moving. So it's just, it's yeah. all of us trying not to be late. It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Too much. <laughs> so my my a suggestion for a happier, less stressful lifestyle be to maybe try and carve out a bit of time at yes. regular intervals, however that is, to try and reduce the height of these four pillars by some means for a yes. day for half a day at the weekend i don't know whatever it might be uh, yeah create little rules for yourself like john said with his not taking the paper on the train just leaving it at the station for me um i don't take my mobile phone upstairs anymore it's not allowed so i leave the phone downstairs when i go to bed it stays down there and that that re- i found that really helps because otherwise i'm in bed reading the news mm. going well, what am i doing i should be going to sleep yeah yeah. I, can't, I can't remember where I read it, but um, some somebody said, "Why don't you just spend ten minutes doing nothing, and then why don't you spend fifteen? When when was the last time you spent half an hour doing just nothing? Not like watching something or reading mm. something, just doing mm. nothing." And I was like, "Gosh, I can't even remember. Mm. Spend half. When did I spend half an hour doing nothing?" And how would you feel about doing that if you did? Would you feel guilty? <laughs> yeah it's probably like meditation isn't it at the beginning you're like your brain's doing all this stuff and by the end you're probably like oh only half an hour is it really time to stop already (laughs) yeah i don't know um any other business on the four pillars of too much anything else no i really look forward to hearing feedback from others about their views on it what they've done what strategies any strategies any tips what to strategies and tips i love that well, maybe, maybe i'll say one strategy my go to bed strategy okay yeah well, well just quickly one one strategy which i think was key point of the book and it was about children but i think it works for us as well actually two things one was control your environment so like clearing yes. your desk to focus and the other one was about rhythms and routine and actually how that that benefits you it's that like 
I, I don't have to wonder what happens now because it's seven o'clock. I know that I go upstairs and I have a shower and I brush my teeth and I go to bed. As a child, for example, that is the routine and that and I get up and I do this and I go here and I come back and I don't have to, it takes away all those choices and that can be really beneficial and perhaps we you know, do with a bit more rhythm and routine sometimes mm. in our lives. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right, well, listen, driven by the desire to avoid you, our listeners, feeling like you've had too much from the three pillars of Sketch Malaysians, the podcast, I'm going to round off this week's chat there. I said pillars, not pillocks. <laughs> Next week, we'll be discussing something very close to Jono's heart. Small little peep. I'm so sorry. <laughs> dear, oh dear. That was uncalled for. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, I'm sorry. It's all right, it's all right. Sorry. I've moved on. We're talking about smart little people. Next week, it's a creative tool employed as part of a design philosophy called TRIZ that I know both Jono and Tommy, you've both worked extensively with before. So um, you can look forward to that. I'm sorry, Jono. It's all right. They go low, you go high. That was cheap. (laughs) That was cheap. We'll be back in a tick to go through the post bag of your correspondence. But for now, hickory dickory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. The clock struck one. The mouse ran down. And that's where this podcast must stop. Thanks for listening. Go well, everybody. Stay well. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. It's just, isn't it? You can't be. I can't be short on a podcast. I'm the, I'm the same height as everyone else. It's <laughs> good, isn't it? Just it's a great. It's a great leveler. Okay, then uh, let's have a little rummage in this week's post bag. Now, um, I mean, first of all. Um, I put a little post out about our episode on Dunbar's number on Instagram, asking people about how it kind of tied in with their mobile phone contacts. Remember, we were talking about how um, kind of 150, mm. 50, and then, Jono, you and I both had 15 favourites in our contacts. And, Tommy, no. you had five, you said. Um, so I wanted to see how that kind of tied in with other people and I had a number of responses to that. And on average, those who responded had, a, 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 let's say, a, a handful, right, of favorited contacts. So much more along the lines of what you had, Tommy, five loved ones um, using the nomenclature mm. of Dunbar's number. Um, and hardly anybody had uh, f- numbers as high as 15 like, like you and me, Johnny. Maybe we're just too... Maybe we're too liberal with our favouriting. We're too generous. I thought you were going, I thought you were going to say popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, yes, that's it. Just... <laughs> yeah. I don't think it counts if you favourite other people, does it? That's not that's being not, popular. That's not. It's a different realm. It's a different realm. Johnny, did you have one from Dunbar's number? Yeah, I, I had just a comment from actually from Nancy who featured in our episode about well-being, and she pointed out actually how how important all of these ties are and that with the pandemic will a lot of these ties will have reduced and at the same time will have intensified some of the very close ones but and essentially all of us might need to spend some time rebuilding the networks that we might have lost over those you know year year and a half or so of the pandemic so really interesting so uh, what, what's quite interesting in this is um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to an old school reunion. Um, the, an invite went out a couple of months ago. And these are people that 
it was 25 years ago, uh, if not a bit more. Um, and I'm at first it was like, oh, this is a bit scary. And then and then it was kind of reconnecting with my 510 best friends from school. And one's in Canada, can't make it. One's in Australia, can't make it. One's away at Centre Parks with family, can't make it. And it was kind of like, but also sort of restarting relationships with people like on WhatsApp or on Facebook to try and reconnect where all my friendships back then were in person in face to face like telephone was the only option yeah. back then um and it's all of us were kind of like well are you the those of us who were available like well i'll go if you go and bjorn says he'll go if mm. i go if you go and it's like none of us sort of all of us were on the fence unless it's like right okay we're we're, we're gonna go the last understanding and i'm sure it'll be amazing but it's yeah, it's 28, 28 years ago actually since i saw but they were my best best friends at, at the time Similarly, Tommy, there was there was something that I thought about after we'd recorded the podcast on Dunbar's number. Um, it was when, Jono, you brought up the concept of the handshake overhead in businesses that, mm. that are growing and that suddenly, oh, there's actually quite a bit more time and energy and effort needed to manage this number of people, the handshake overhead. I was reminded of what it was like working in a French office. And Jono, you were there in the same company, a slightly different office, but the same company. The literal handshake overhead, the time it took to go around every morning (laughs) and shake hands or or faire la bise with everybody. I mean, where did those boundaries stop? Was it within your team, within your department, within your building? I I mean, I think my literal daily handshake overhead encompassed my floor of the office, which was around... 20 people i'd say and it, it probably took 10 minutes i mean it was nice but it was Sorry, a formality would you shake hands would you shake hands with every single person yes the first time you see them yeah. during the day yeah and but it's not like you had to have a chat <laughs> like you could go into a room say bonjour okay. shake the hand and leave the room again but occasionally you would have a chat and you'd go into every room yeah you'd go into every office oh wow I remember the, the glass glass walls and glass doors, so you could see that people were in there. And so as you as you walk down, you, you pop into this office, shake yeah. two hands, pop into the next one, shake two hands, pop into the next one, shake two hands. And as you say, Rob, it's about ten minutes before you got to your desk. It's nice in it. a way. I liked it. But yeah, I was going to say, was it nice? Yeah, but then sometimes if um, you'd forgotten that you might have seen someone as you were walking down the corridor and bumped into them. You go, have we seen each other today? I was like, I don't know. Should we shake hands anyway? Yeah, go on. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Real, real handshake over here. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take us to a few episodes back from, from last week's uh, episode on Dunbar's number. Because as we were getting ready to get Series 2 underway last week, we put out a few highlight reels on social media with some clips from the first series. And, and we've had some lovely feedback about various topics from that as well. So there's one here I wanted to, to pick up on. So in Episode 12 of Series 1, that was on cross-modal perception. Do you remember that one? Um, that's one of my favourites, actually. I learned mm. loads mm. when we did that. And uh, we have a new listener, Aaron from Dallas in Texas... Uh, has messaged to say that he experiences synesthesia. Do you remember we talked about that? Mm. In that episode, we established Mm. that none of us have it or that we knowingly knew anybody who had it. So we couldn't really describe it much more than what we'd read about it, that people see shapes and colours that are associated with numbers and letters. But Aaron writes that not only the the numbers that he sees are coloured, 
there's also a weird shape that he sees when those numbers are strung out, right? So um, if you and I think mm. of numbers 1 to 100, I can say I see them in a row, in a line from left to right going up, right? That's how I see it. And I think a lot of people probably see it like that. Could we do a little check? Do you guys see them like that if you just think of 1 to 100? Do I see them stacked on top of each other maybe? But yeah, maybe... So, but Aaron says his don't follow a straight left to right sequence. He goes one to nine start left to right, and then they start to turn up at around seven. Ten's a turning point, and from eleven to sixteen they shoot to the left in a slightly upward gradient, <laughs> and then they go back round to the right, kind of like a, a spiral or a helix. Amazing. And then he says he can't always define yeah. the colours, but nine is definitely this muted yellow. The twenties are a maroon, the thirties are green, and the seventies or eighties are a light grey. I, mean, I, th- I just found this absolutely fascinating. Um, but he, he, and he finishes <laughs> by saying that he's never found this condition to be even remotely helpful. <laughs> Alas. <laughs> That's so really cool. fascinating, yeah. It is brilliant. And, and there must be so many different variations of that for, for different people. I mean, in his message, Aaron, Aaron said he didn't know that he had this. He didn't even know it was a thing until he saw a TikTok on it about a, a year or so ago. <laughs> Interesting. So cool. I've got one more that I was going to pick up from Emily, who left us a message on Facebook. And she says she was catching up on some old episodes. And as a chronically slightly late person, she realized that she really liked the point on the cost of lateness. Um, and she asks, is it better to be slightly late and not ready or on time, but flustered and not ready? <laughs> Ideally, she says you'd be on time and ready and brilliantly she signs off saying that, ironically, I've just made myself late listening to this and leaving this comment. <laughs> I love that, that Emily was catching up on the episodes as well. It's great, isn't it? Me too. That's, that's great. Because there's a lot there. Anything else, boys? Oh, affect and effect. That came up the other day. And oh, I was trying to remember it. <laughs> and I think I got it right. I think I got it right. How will you know, Tommy? Didn't you have a little way of... Yeah, but it it, it, it requires a bleep, I think, doesn't it? Because <laughs> if you affect, i.e. the person pushing Jono into the sea, which is you, and you were being an a-hole, and so that's got the A in it, and the effect was him in the water. That was it? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the job. There we go. But then I was trying to remember which way around. As long as you don't oh. accidentally call the person in front of you <laughs> to be an a-hole. Yeah. All right, well, listen... Um, that's probably enough for this week uh thank you everybody for all of your comments and feedback uh please do keep them all coming in and we love hearing your stories of uh experiences around the topics that we discuss so please do send them all in um that is definitely one of the joys of doing this podcast for me hearing what others think about the topics that we discuss it's just brilliant um you can email us hello at sketchplanations.com is the address or you can leave us comments uh, or messages up on social media and if you ever fancy taking in slightly extended versions of each episode you can watch us podcast up on youtube just search for sketchplanations the podcast it's all up there all right thanks very much for listening see you next week bye-bye see you next week All music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com. Sketch Planations.